I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead and joining me friend of the pod, reoccurring guest. I think we mentioned your name possibly more than any other media person. It's Jonathan Charks from The Ringer. What you got for me, Charks? Well, that's because I know I knew you way back when. I think I <laughs> met you before you even had this podcast. You're just like a lowly blogger. <laughs> and you, I think you had just started coming to Mavs games, right? It's years before Locked on Mavs became a thing. And now I'm just a lowly blogger with a podcast. No, so. are you kidding me? Locked on Mavs is major. This is major stuff. I'm happy to be on. So, uh, a lot of you probably know Jonathan's work from The Ringer. You hear him on random podcasts for The Ringer, and uh, you read his stuff, his great articles. But you may not know that he grew up in Dallas, he's based in Dallas, and that he's a Mavericks fan. And so we've been bringing on uh, meeting people that are Mavericks fans to talk about the past, present, and future of the Dallas Mavericks. But before we get into all that, I have to ask you a question, Sharks. Did you hear Aaron Gordon's diss track about Dwayne Wade? I heard about it. I hadn't have not actually listened to it. Sounds really sad, honestly. <laughs> it's like the premise of it is hilariously sad. It's a great way to put it because he basically made this diss track about Aaron Gore or about Dwayne Wade because he didn't give him the dunk contest, basically, because he voted it's called nine out of ten, which is the score that Wade gave him for that last dunk. Yeah. That didn't Did give he sound like pissed off on it or is he like, is it all in good fun? Um, there's a quote in it that says, uh, I don't have the trophy, but I've got something to hold. D's nuts. That's one of the quotes in it. So, Well, witty stuff. <laughs> it's hilarious. And apparently they talked about it. I don't know. But it's a very weird thing for a Mavs fan because now Aaron Gordon is – like he's in the club, right? Of Wade haters, because all Mavs fans hate Dwayne Wade. But it's such a weird song. Are we getting behind this or are we not? That's kind of where I'm trying to figure out as far as where Mavs fans stand. I mean, I would love Aaron Gordon on the Mavs to not to go too far ahead into this questions you're going to ask me later. If he comes to Dallas, he'd be perfect. I love he's a I like I like watching him play. He's a good player. He already has Underrated, the he already has the mentality, so that could work. All right. Uh, another question: Have you seen Luca's shoes yet? His uh, his Air Jordan ones, the uh, the his version of them, I guess. No, I've been like in. A, I just had a kid a few weeks ago. So I've been like in a bubble, but that's a big deal. Luca got. Does he have his signature shoe yet? Not a. It's or not what, a signature right shoe. Now? Isaac was. We got fiery Isaac yesterday talking about how this is not a signature shoe on the pod yesterday. Uh, but it's not a signature, okay. but it's a. Uh, it's like his own version of the the Air Jordan One. So check him out when you have a chance. Wanted to see if you had an opinion on that. But all right, let's get into. Um, let's get into the present of this Mavs team. So we didn't get a full season. Um, I think we're going to get the playoffs. Do you have an opinion on whether the playoffs will be played at all? Like I said, I really haven't been paying attention. I've been so busy with my own stuff the last since, basically since this thing happened. Yeah, you had a so we child. Had a, kid, like a, a week before, basically the, the week after the league was canceled or was shut down for a while. So I'm just way out of the loop right now. I, I don't know anything in terms of whether we're going to have a season or not. <laughs> well, I think we're going to have a playoffs at some point. So. I hope so. Um, what's we all gonna make some money here, right? Let's get some. Let's get, let's get this money going. Well, and as soon as it starts getting taken away from players, like when the players rise up and start demanding things, if their money keeps getting taken away, then I think something will happen, right? Like players, this is the player empowerment movement. Your boss, you know, famously says that over and over again. So, 
Oh. Hey, we all we all need checks at every level of this industry. We all- <laughs> hey, my level for sure. The lowly bloggers, we need the checks too. They need to keep going. Um, what's uh, what's been your favorite part about this Mavericks season so far? Well, I mean, I think obviously the growth of Luca in year two, and just how Willie. Really, I just love the way they figured out how to build around him. It was it was cool to see it kind of happen in real time, and the way Rick just moved the pieces around. Way to figure out how to get the most out of THJ and Finney. I mean, who predicted that at the start of the season? That'd be like Luca, KP, and then THJ and Finney Smith are like the top four guys. It was just cool to see how the team kind of figured out how to make Luca great and how he just took a step forward. That was awesome. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty awesome to see Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, pretty much prove everyone wrong, right? Uh, and even him, like even his past play, he just improved so much year to year. And uh, Dorian Finney-Smith finally becoming a, a you know a shooter, which has been something that people have been waiting for. We've been talking about this podcast. I feel like honestly for years we've been talking about if only Dorian yeah. Finney-Smith could knock down a shot, right? I mean, when Dorian Finney-Smith first came to Dallas, that was all I could even talk about. Like the team was so bad, it was talking about like the fifteenth man three point shot, right? Oh but yeah, yeah. it's been a long time coming. Yeah, and now that kind is on, it's one of the best in the whole league, probably. Yeah, you're talking to somebody that had a five day a week podcast back when they were like a lottery team. We, we had full podcast talking about Dorian <laughs> Finney-Smith's jump shot for sure. Uh, was Tim Hardaway Jr. the thing you were most wrong about coming into this season, or is there something else? I would say yeah. So the start of the year, I figured it'd be a big Jalen Brunson breakout year. Mm. I thought, oh, he'd be the starting point guard next to Luca. He'd take another big step forward, and I kind of thought THA would be like moved out of the rotation, and it's really been the opposite. We really kind of figured out that Luca needs the ball all the time, that any point guard next to him doesn't really make much sense, and that you need guys like THJ or kind of catch and shoot players. Yeah, it's really hard to have another ball handler next to him. So these whole like the conversation about adding Kemba or adding you know another point guard like that even has been kind of interesting seeing this season. You you need those like catch and shoot players like you said, but you need maybe a guy that can like move between like being a ball handler and also being just like a catch and shoot guy. Wanted, I wanted Brogdon. That was the guy yeah. I wanted to into the season. But yeah, I think my biggest take about this whole team is like eventually Luca has to realize that he can't just hog the ball the entire game. But I think that's probably like three or four years away in the best case scenario. Does someone like Porzingis have to prove that he like for a lot of team for a lot of like really big star players, you know, ball dominant players, somebody else has to prove that they're, you know, worth like getting the ball. Does Porzingis have to prove that at some point to Luca in order for that to happen? Or is that or do you think that's more I don't on Luca? It's so. more on Luca. I think if Luca played with LeBron, it wouldn't matter. He'd still want to hold the ball the whole game. <laughs> that Luca would? <laughs> yeah, I don't think Luca cares. Like Luca is trying to win the MVP. He just got a shoe deal. He wants to be probably like the biggest, best player in the NBA. He's putting up crazy stats. I think Luca to me, it'll have to be in the playoffs. We'll have to learn, okay, I can't win taking 50 shots a night and holding the ball the whole game. Like that, I think, is a process for Luca. It's going to be a long process for him to realize that, I think. I really wish we would have gotten, I mean, for, for varying reasons, but we would have gotten a full season through to the playoffs because I think we would have seen some of the 
you know, effects of him holding the ball all the time in the playoffs, especially if they were matched up against the Clippers. I mean, maybe just... See, that's why I want to see the Clippers if they play in the playoffs. I think that'd be the best for his growth long-term with the Clippers series, for sure. So they... Well, they're probably not going to win that series, right? I mean, I think everyone would, would pick against that, but yeah. just playing against them, would you think, would give him the most growth? Like, if they just get absolutely destroyed by them, or even if they play them kind of close, but still end up losing, that Luka would grow the most I mean, he's going to be guarded by Kawhi and Paul George for, you know, five, six, seven games. <sighs> Like, that's as good as it gets. Those two guys guarding for 40 minutes. If that series started in like a, in a couple weeks, let's say, let's say they decide to start the playoffs, it started in a couple weeks. How many games would, do you think the Mavericks could win? God, it's, I mean, like, let's see what these guys look like, right? Like, is Luka going to be in shape when they come back? <laughs> I don't know. That's why we need New Holger. Do you know about New Holger? No. Does, there, does he have his own Holger? I didn't know this. <laughs> There's a New Holger. Uh, when when Luca was going from his rookie season to his second season, the person that he attributes most to his uh, physical transformation was his girlfriend, Anna Maria, and she's the new Holger that's oh. ha- helping keep him in shape. Interesting. Okay, I like it. <laughs> so she's the new Holger, and so he's over. He's over in Slovenia right now. He flew back over uh, because oh, he, he has did. A, he went he, back. because of court there, and so we're hoping we're all hoping that new Holger is helping keep him in shape. <laughs> Well, hopefully he just can't, he's not just on a yacht somewhere in the Mediterranean waiting out this quarantine. Hopefully he's in the gym. Or if he is, we hope it has a treadmill on it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, coming up, let's get into some of the past about the Mavericks. Uh, Charks has a lot of history with the Mavericks, and so we'll talk about his fandom, how his earliest experiences as a fan, Dirk moments, 2011 finals moments, all that coming up. But before I do, Charks, let me tell you about one of life's ultimate hacks. It's hard to find time to sit down and read and learn anymore when you don't have free time or you can't read or work on personal development because there's a dog that's barking in the background, a child that's maybe sitting in your lap like it is with Charks right now, or if you're just too busy watching Netflix so much. Blinkist is a really unique tool and it works on your phone, your tablet, and your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. If you're tired of all these people saying, oh, I'm improving my life, I'm improving my life, I'm doing this and all these people, then you can be one of those people. Just get Blinkist. Successful people like business leaders are well known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you that want to get the main points out of a book so quickly so you can start using that information right away and show off to people that you are growing as a human. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience, the Lockdown Mavs listeners, the Raccoon Squad. Just go to Blinkist.com NBA to try it free for seven days and save 25% off a new subscription. That's Blinkist. B-L-I-K-A B-L-I N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. You'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. All right, Sharks, let's start with this. When did you become a Mavs fan? So I'm from Dallas, grew up here my whole life. Uh, I really, so I'm 32. I always started getting into basketball when I was like 10 or 11. I started playing seriously. And that's right when the Mavs got going. We're getting good with like Dirk Finley and Nash. So I remember the first year they made the playoffs and they beat the Jazz in the first round. That was '99. I was like 11 or 12, and so that was the first for me. So I kind of got to grow with Dirk the whole time from that the first series with the Jazz all the way to the end. Is Dirk to you the greatest power forward ever? Um, <laughs> I don't know. 
I mean, him, is Tim Duncan spot. a power forward? Like, I can't, I can't honestly say different Tim Duncan after I watched them play at the playoffs for like ten years. I mean, I love Dirk obviously, but Tim Duncan was better. Though. I saw an interesting conversation about um, about that on on Facebook where someone said, "Is Dennis Rodman a top five power forward of all time?" And someone was like. No, Dirk is the best power forward of all time. And someone was like, Dirk didn't play defense his entire career. How can he? He can't even be in the top five. And that and made me lose brain cells reading that. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Rod, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Dirk, it's, it's hard. It's like not really a comparison because they, they had different responsibilities. Duncan was really a center who could play power forward, right? And Dirk was just a scorer who was seven feet tall. Well, Duncan, There's different, different responsibilities. Duncan was a center that was drafted onto a team that had David Robinson already. So, like, he, he just couldn't play that position because there was a Hall yeah, of Famer there. See, can you imagine if they had played those two guys now together? Would that have worked? I'd love to see that in modern NBA. It's so wild Duncan to even Bob. watch. I was watching the, uh, you know, Kobe's 81-point game the other night. Uh, I do it on Hot Mike, this app where you can watch games with people. And I was watching yeah. it, and the Lakers were starting Chris Mim and Kwame Brown at the same time. And that was like 14, oh 14 years ago. <laughs> it just seems absolutely ridiculous to think about now. That's insane. I, I did not remember that. Wow. <laughs> that team wasn't very good, but it was like a 500 team in the NBA playing just it's two centers. Yeah. yeah. It was absolutely insane. Uh, what are your earliest um, memories going to games? Do you remember the first game you ever went to? God, it was Reunion Arena, so before the AAC. So we're talking like the years of Gary Trent, the Shack of the Mavs. Like this is like the mid to late 90s. Yeah, I mean, the Mavs were not good for a long time. <laughs> My, I don't even remember, honestly, the first game I went to. Uh, yeah, I don't even, because like they were, there was like four or five years there where they won like 10 games a year or something. I, I remember Jason Kidd, Jamal Mashburn, Jimmy Jackson, that was probably my first memory of the Mavs was the three J's mm. going way back. My first Mavs game was the uh, the game Rondo walked out. That was when I first moved and started going to college in Dallas when, when Rondo walked out on Carlisle during that Raptors game. Nice. That was the first one I ever went to. I was, I was there with my wife. We were in the 300 level. She's like, I can't see anything. This is boring. And then all of a sudden, Rondo walked out, and I was gasping. And she was like, what? What? I was like, "This. Re- remember this. We're going to see this on dumb highlight reels for the rest of. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I remember it was, wasn't he like playing the drums? It was the Rocket Series on the on the baseline, like playing the, like an invisible bongo set or something, which I remember from all the Rondo years, or the oh. Rondo era. There's lots of Rondo things. But so your first memories were, were the three J's. Um, do you have any fan experiences that stick out? Something that, that happened to you at a game or something that you remember happening while you were watching the Mavs? I mean, I was there in 06. So I went to most of those, uh, that year's playoff run. I was there for most of that. So the series against the Spurs, the series against the Suns, the series against the Heat. I was there for all of it. My fate, my like low key favorite Mavs team. I think most Mavs fans hated it, but I loved it. It was the two Antoine gear. So Nick, do you remember Ooh. this? You might have before your time. I remember that Antoine Walker and Antoine Jameson were on the Mavericks, but I don't remember anything about them. It was so insane. So the year before, they had the big three. It was Finley, Dirk, and Nash. They went to the conference finals. They had been excellent race with friends. It was a really stacked team. And then Nelson decided for some reason what we need is more twenty point scores. So he would start run out a lineup where it was. Antoine Walker at center, Dirk at power forward, Antoine Jameson, Michael Finley, Steve Nash. Oh my god. And gosh. it was just the most like ridiculous team you could ever imagine. <laughs> Every game was like 145, 140. That's it. I was I became 
I became a huge Antoine Jameson fan because that year in high school, I was coming off the bench like he was. Mm. And I remember, I remember being like, I got to be like Antoine Jameson because he comes in the game for like 10 minutes and he scores like 20 points. He just shots up really freaking fast. And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this guy. I got to get my bucket being a sixth man on my team. That team might do okay now, thinking about it. I, it, it was really fun to watch. It was it was ridiculous though because they had no rhythm because they just took turns scoring. They had so many guys who wanted to shoot. The ultimate your turn, my turn team. Yeah, I remember what was crazy that year in the playoffs. They lost to the Kings, and it was so poetic because I think Dirk, Nash, and Finley all missed a last second shot in each mm. of their losses in that series. So it was the, all kind of like they're ultimately taking turns, taking turns, letting everyone down too, <laughs> down to the end. Yeah, no one saw the whole Steve Nash thing coming. I'll tell you that when he left. We are like sixty million dollars for Steve Nash, really? Dang. Wow. And then he became Steve Nash that we know today, which was wild. That's something that we that's something we talked about in our what ifs. We looked back and just said like he wasn't like MVP Steve Nash when he left, but he was, he was like getting to that point, but he wasn't there yet. He no, needed that. See, my, my take was they had to break up. Mm. Dirk and Nash. It wasn't going to work. Neither one of them would have been an MVP if they had stuck together. Cause they both needed the ball. They're both bad defensive players who had to be the primary option. So like the, the, the Mavs are better after Nash left because they put guys who fit around Dirk. Right. Cause the idea of Nash is like, okay, if you have Steve Nash, you have a top five offense. Well, if you have Dirk, you have a top five offense. It's redundant. You need guys who play defense around them. So those Avery Johnson teams, they're like, who cares? Dirk's the offense. We're going to get a bunch of guys who can defend around them. So they had like Josh Howard, the great Eric Dampier. It was super long at Jerry Stackhouse. They were a long, athletic, really tough team, and Dirk gave them buckets. So they're like the, they were like the Sixers, like the Sixers now. Basically, but imagine if the picture of one guy could score at will every single time he touched the ball and they part of the floor, right? Yeah, well, I think the, the Sixers now are more like the defensive gods, right? Like they, you know, Ben Simmons, Joel those, Embiid. Those you have. Avery Johnson teams, they could guard. They could really, really guard. But that's what made Dirk so great is because you could put four guys on Dirk couldn't do anything on offense. It didn't really matter because Dirk was just such a dominant offensive player and he could create change the floor so much. And that's why he's the best power forward ever. I guess I would say this, like, the reason I think I became an NBA writer was because, like, in those years, like, 04, 05, 06, 07, I was on these, like, message boards just like, y'all are wrong about Dirk. Y'all know <laughs> nothing about basketball. This man is changing the game. Everyone's, oh, Dirk's soft. Da, 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 da. No. Y'all have no idea. So I was sitting here writing up, like, paragraphs, like, real GMs. <laughs> great you're in the streets preaching about uh, off-ball gravity before Steph even like sniffed the NBA. I'm telling you, I was in these internet streets. Just, yeah, we were getting into it for sure. <laughs> Do you, where were you during the 2011 finals? So I had just graduated college. So here's another funny story. I actually that okay. This is funny, like two levels. So I had put 200 bucks on the Mavs at 16 to one that year when the championship, which Whoa. is like. And I, I had just started blogging, and I was like, this, this is going to be the Mavs year. I had a huge piece on the Mavs are awesome. This was like in January. But the one problem was, was like, my piece was on the idea that Roddy Bobois was the missing piece for the Mavs. <laughs> so he comes back, has one big game. I'm like, Roddy B is the missing piece for this team. They're going to win a championship. And I was right in a way because what Berea did in the finals, yeah. I thought Roddy B could do that. I was like, 
this is the piece this team needs to be a champion. So I was like right and wrong at the same time. It was the 40-point so yeah, game that got you. So yeah, I was like living and dying because I had just graduated college. I didn't really have, I was kind of like blogging, not making much money. So that 3,000 bucks I made that year was like, that kept me through a whole summer, kept me eating basically. You made 3,000 bucks off that bet? Well, I guess, no, what, 3,200, because it was 16 to one, $200. Dang. I definitely uh, paid my taxes on that too. So. Yeah, how about that? That's your limitation. <laughs> Uh, what were your any? Do you have any favorite non Dirk Mavericks teams, like non twenty eleven teams, or maybe not non Dirk, but uh, any teams that were non twenty eleven? Well, that's why I was saying that two thousand four team. I mean, I would say the two thousand three team was awesome too. That was a team with uh, Van Exel. Man, that team was like Nash and Van Exel backcourt was unbelievable. They would like basically be playing horse during games. <laughs> they take these crazy shots. And actually, went, they went to the conference finals. Dirk got hurt that year. Yeah, I think that 03, 04, those, those teams are great. I think those are the teams that get forgotten by history. Because you have, like, the 06 finals team, the 11 team, obviously. But that 03, 04 group of Mavs, they really at the forefront of the way the game changed. They were, like, they were a 2020 team being played back in 2002, 2003. Yeah, I watched one of their games uh, a couple weeks ago when they're they're replaying it on NBA TV. I think it was it was a game where Nick Van Exel had like 40 points against the Kings. And uh, oh, it, those Kings Mavs games! It was like 85 80 at halftime. It was crazy. They were they were going back and forth completely, and uh, and yeah, they were playing Nash and, and Van Exel the whole time. And I was like, this is what the NBA is now playing two point guards. Like this is Carlisle's dream right now. <laughs> And then, you, then they play Rafe at center. Do you remember Rafe LaFriends? Yeah, he was, he was in that game I was watching too. Yeah, he he would have been a really good player in today's NBA. Original I mean, stretch five. I always used to use him in 2K or, or NBA Live because he, I would bring him off the bench and shoot threes with him. And I would, I would play spread offense back then. And I mean, yeah, Dirk and Rafe at the, the four and the five, just spreading the floor. The other guys I loved, I loved Marquise Daniels and Josh Howard. They mm. were great. So they had like a three, four-year run. Or they were just like these two six six guys coming off the bench, super disruptive, super long, and they had like a telepathic connection. It was really fun to watch that. Mm. Was it like JJ Barea, Devin Harris backdoor cuts? I miss those. It was more like yeah, it's more just like full court pressing, stealing the ball. Like it was like super. It was definitely a change of pace for the Mavs because they were like not super. They were pretty skilled, but they weren't great shooters. They were super long and athletic. Mm. Do you All remember right. Howard? He started the whole like. I won't support the national anthem thing. <laughs> yes, that, I, I definitely remember Josh Howard for that. Uh, that's on YouTube somewhere if you want to go check that out. Um, but he was he was ahead of his time, I guess, for that. You know, he's a new coach of the UNT Dallas basketball team. I saw that the other day. Him and Jason Terry recently got coaching jobs. Is Jeff still with the Mavs? He was doing with the G League last year. I saw that. Yeah, he's he's with, like, he's with a college now. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. Oh wow, he left the legend. Yes, I'll have to look it up. But all right, let's. Uh, you want to you want to move forward and talk about the, the Mavericks team going forward? Uh, let's do that. Sure. Coming up, let's talk about the ceiling for this Mavs team uh, and what the the biggest piece that they need going forward. Coming up. All right, Sharks. Let's talk about this Mavericks team going forward. Um, so if the Mavericks stay the way that they are, um, what do you think is their ceiling if they don't add a, a third star type? If they just continue to build around Luka and Porzingis, they can add some other ancillary role players, but they can't add like a third star player. I mean, to me, it's just a matter of what kind of star you're bringing in. Um, 
I just think they need long and athletic wings who can spread the floor, who can guard, you know, they need somebody's gonna guard Kawhi, gonna guard Giannis, gonna guard LeBron, gonna guard, right? The, those are the guys, if you're gonna win a championship, you kinda gotta be in a playoff series. And I think they've gotta find guys who can do that while still getting something on offense. So like, is that guy necessarily quote unquote star? I don't know. Like, like when you think when you say like third star, who are you thinking of? I mean, the, the names that come up. I mean, they they tried to add Kemba. Uh, Giannis is a name people bring up all the time. But like even a Drew Holiday type, or um, you know, if they could get into Bradley Beal, something like that. Like that's what I think yeah. of when I think of third star, like that range of player. But if they couldn't add one, then um, it'd be interesting to see how they would do. See, I love Drew, but he's too small to guard those guys. There, I remember watching the game. It was like a Lakers Pelicans game, and they had Drew on LeBron. It was just like no. LeBron's, I'm just going to bully you. you got to have a guy who can guard. To me, like, obviously Giannis is, if they can get Giannis here next summer, right, 2021, that's the ultimate dream. You get Giannis, you get one, like, five championships. <laughs> that's if it. That's on it's the over. Table, I mean, Giannis, Luka, KP, forget about it. If that's on the table, I think you want to get someone like, I think of a third star, give me someone like, like Aaron Gordon or like a Jalen Brown. I want a big athletic winner from guard positions because they're not going to have Luca ever do that, obviously. KP the center. I mean, Dorian Smith, Smith, he's good, but I don't feel like he's big enough. I worry about his size against like your really super sized wings. And you have you have Luca already, so it kind of fits the whole Dirk Nash narrative of the like, Luca's if you have Luca, you have top five offense, right? Would you say that that's yeah, the exactly. same for him? Exactly. So you just need guys who can defend around him. That's what I'm worrying about. Like I would not want Kemba here. I think that'd be crazy. Like Kemba's great, but two guys who don't play defense and want the ball. It's not – they're redundant, ultimately. Like, to me, you've got to get guys who can defend around Luka long-term. That's the most important thing. And I think it, it's different now. The expectations, I think, are different for this team now. Even looking back, I mean, I think Isaac and I were both for bringing in Kemba and think that, that was uh, – maybe yeah, I not. Against, I feel pretty good about that call now. I was not for bringing Kemba. We thought maybe like it would it would bring the team to a certain level, but that the team's already at the level that we thought that they would be with Kemba. So you don't need him at this point, right? Like the team's already the best yeah. offense in the league, so you don't need that part. You need something else for this team. They're they're pretty much ahead of schedule, at least to me, in that area. The real question is this summer with THJ. I imagine he's going to try to opt out and get a long term deal. I think you have to keep him, given how well he played this year. You think he will try to opt out? Yeah, why not? Mac lock out, lock in a long term contract. He's really enjoying his time in Miami. His Instagram story is just all him sitting by the pool and enjoy. Like, imagine being an NBA player that got paid during 2016, and you're just you're during enjoying this lockout. Like, heck yeah, I'm just <laughs> I'm hanging out. I got a pool. I'm sorry, I got, made my that money. Last year player option. That's that Harry Barnes move. When you have your last year as a player option, you can you can turn the the whole other contract. You opt out of it take less money for more years and you keep spinning it forth like two more contracts. Right. He's like how much like THA makes what? 20, 20, 20 a year. Yeah. His player option is, yeah, it's like, he's like 18 this year. I think it's 19 next year for the player option. Yeah. If I was him, I'd probably ask for like four for 60 or something. Something like that. Maybe even more. Would you want to do that? If you're the Mavs, I think you have to, right? I mean, I don't, I don't love it, but I, don't, I think you kind of have to do it. Even if that takes away money from 2021. I mean, you, what's the word? You got to kind of count a bird in hand versus two in the bush. <laughs> if you have to, you can always trade that contract later with picks, right? Like the Knicks did. It's true. 
I think that to me was the lesson of this last decade for the Mavs is like cap space is only important when you need it. You only cap space before you can always create cap space. Right. Especially if you, if Tim Hardaway Jr. is a positive player, right? The Knicks basically had to, you know, they used Porzingis to get off of his contract. And so, yeah, uh, and he's been great this year. He's been one of the better two guards in the league, I think. Yeah. And and he's at least a positive on both ends now at this point in this system. Which is kind of wild. I mean, yeah, how many how many six seven guys can guard and then get twenty points without holding the ball? Not very many, right? Like yeah, that's, that's a short list. If he's he's getting buckets without holding the ball with Luca. That's pretty crucial. Uh, have you done a, any draft prep or anything like that? I'm behind this year because of my kid. I'm trying to catch up now. Yeah, you're literally holding the kid right now. Like you're holding it down over there as a dad. Yeah, he was crying earlier, so I was like, I better give him some milk early so Nick can get his pocket. <laughs> Um, so, but for the Mavericks, Mavericks draft picks right now, they would have picks number 18 and 31. Uh, do you think that the Mavericks will keep those picks and draft somebody or would you rather see them trade? I mean, I think the Mavs will trade them. I think they probably should keep them, but knowing the Mavs, they never really value the draft. But I think this is, I think these picks are good chances to take swings for three and D guys, right? That's what you need. They're going to be guys available at 18 and 31, that are as good as the guys you can go like seven, eight, nine, ten this year because the draft is so like thin on top. So to me, I would, I hope they use these picks and take some wings. Basically, just roll some dice on some wings, see if you get lucky. Try to get some big wings in here. Do you think even after like Luca and Brunson and you know adding players through the draft, you think that Mavericks still don't value the draft the way that they have for for so long? Because it seemed like that narrative had changed after Luca. That the Maverick, oh, the Mavericks value the draft now. Do you think that's still the way well, you said though? I think you look at like Luca and Brunson are like the most polished young players you're ever going to see in your life, right? And look at that. Brunson was the national player of the year and a two-time national champion in college. Luca was the EuroLeague player of the year, EuroLeague champion, EuroLeague MVP. So they weren't exactly gambling on upside with those picks, right? They're as proven as you could possibly be coming into the NBA. And they so, got pre- I don't know. I feel like the Mavs want sure things. They don't like gambling. No, and they got pretty lucky that both of those guys, seemingly for, for Brunson, but definitely for Luca, panned out You know, in the, in the best way possible. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was great. Great picks, obviously. But I don't know if the Mavs are out here like, let's draft a 19-year-old. Who's gonna, I don't know if Paul wants to play a guy like that anymore. So it's, it's tough. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, and well, the timeline has been pushed up. The expectations have been bucked basically, and they, you know, have, have moved past just being a, you know, like okay, let's just try to make the playoffs. Well, they did that already. They're they're making the playoffs this year, and so they'll try probably try to go for win now. And from from you know by and large, from the people I've talked to, some of the players that I've you know scouted or looked at, um, I don't think there's a ton of players that are impact now players right now in the draft. And if there's not a ton. Yeah, you're- for now you tell, we told people your new job <laughs> I've, I've mentioned it a couple times i've been working with a uh, uh a company called ePlay doing uh you know analytics and statistics and we i've been scouting some some players so i know i know a ton about like eight players and i know nothing about the rest of them that's basically that's my knowledge of the draft at this do point you have a, do you have a guy for the math what do you think of the guys you watched no i none of the guys that i watched i, I, I thought oh they could really fit the only guy that really stood out to me was zeke naji from arizona he's exactly like dwight powell so if they wanted to trade he's, dwight he's powell and replace him yeah. they could get him they could get zeke naji i guess I can't imagine Powell has much trade value, obviously. So. Yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting contract going forward. Now, I think uh, he he's kind of had a roller coaster, right? He was 
in 2016, he was completely overpaid, and then he kind of proved it, and then he got another deal, and then he, you know, was incredible, and then now it's kind of back down to okay, well, he's hurt. What is, what is he going to look like when he comes back? What does he look like on this team? Porzingis is definitely yeah, I a five. Yeah, like they kind of figured out without him, right? Yes, yeah, it really seems. Well, they're in gonna, the last couple of weeks before the before the lockdown happened, and so with KP at the five, it's hard to really start to work. They're at their best when KP's at the five, but it could be a situation where they need a center like that just to get through the regular season because the wear and tear of Porzingis at the five might be yeah, too much. Be fair, yeah. So that was kind of their idea anyways. The whole thing before the season was, okay, Porzingis is going to play the four on on offense, the five on defense, but you have to have somebody else that can play the five on offense and the four on defense and guard those guys. But I don't know. So maybe Dwight Powell's the guy. Just for the regular season, and then they bench him. <laughs> they play him a couple minutes. I love to see. I I love the Dwight Powell Maxi lineup off the bench. I think that's still a good bench lineup. Yeah, that, they fit well together. They do fit well together. Pun intended. Max, great. Everyone can tell Maxi. Jonathan Sharks, we appreciate you jumping on. Appreciate you, uh, even baby in hand, still coming on the Locked On Mavericks podcast. We appreciate you. Hey, when well, you can be on the biggest pod in, in the Mavs universe, you got to do it. <laughs> Thanks for Mav explaining that to me. All right, there you go. Appreciate you jumping on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. I have a good one, man. Peace out. Boom.